All right, so we're continuing our review of our statement of faith. And um, what I wanted us to do today was I went and I collected some sample statements of faith on the subject of salvation. And the two things that I want us to think about are which of these do we like the best as far as the way that it's laid out? And then secondly, uh, which things should be in the summary statement and which things should be in the fuller explanation? And just to sort of review from last week, we had talked about this idea of whether there should be two levels of detail in the statement of faith and whether those two levels of detail correspond in any way to requirements for basic membership or for um, leadership in the church. And after thinking about it more and getting some clarification from at least one of the churches about the way that they use theirs, I kind of think that the idea of having two levels, like everybody commits to this and pastors and deacons commit to this or something like that, I don't know that that's a good idea. So I talked to Pastor Harding over at First Baptist of Troy and he said that their short statement is what everyone in the church agrees to. Their longer statement is essentially them saying, and here's what we're going to teach on a weekly basis. So that if there's any question about what the shorter one means, that clarifies it. People know what to expect. But there's no difference between what he as the pastor has to agree to and what the people of the church have to agree to. Um, so... Having laid that out, any thoughts along those lines to continue that discussion? Yes? Is there a thought at minimum to whether somebody in a position of authority or whatever, to at minimum <coughs> review it? And I don't know, I guess the thought that I have is. Right. And they've never reviewed what we are going to teach. Right. So I would say at minimum there should be a review, there should be maybe even some type of questionnaire. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. There are things that I have thought about more than other things. And so, if that, and I think that any, any pastor, anybody who teaches the Bible would say that. I mean, some people would openly say, this was my understanding of it five years ago. This is my understanding of it today. And so that's where I think, I agree totally with what you're saying. I think if you're going to join the church... I think there should be a recognition, here's what I'm agreeing to, here's what at least generally speaking we mean by that. I think both should be read as a prerequisite for joining the church with the understanding 
there may be one of those things in the fuller explanation that somebody says, like we said with our statement of faith, you know, I don't think Second Thessalonians is talking about the Holy Spirit as far as the one who lets, the one who restrains. You can still join the church because you're agreeing to the shorter one. But you understand that at least in principle, this is an idea from the rest of Scripture, even if you disagree with it being from that one verse. And I don't want to, I mean, here's the, pro, here's the one tension that I think is still lingering in my mind. I don't want to set it up where it's, I agree with the shorter one, I don't agree with anything in the fuller explanation, but I'm okay because I'm squeaking in because I agree with the basic statements of the shorter one. I want somebody coming in to understand, when we say this in the shorter one, this is what we're getting at. But at the same time, because we recognize everybody's not at the same place, and that there is legitimate room for difference of opinion on certain things that are important but not the most important, that's why we would have the, the shorter statement. So just to just uh, look at uh, on your first page there under salvation sample statements. So just those three on the front page, and if you're, if you're interested, the ones that we have currently are on the back page, uh, on the back of that page. So the one from First Baptist of Troy, we believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. We believe that justification is by faith, apart from works, and results in a guilty sinner being declared righteous by God because the righteousness of Jesus Christ is credited to his account. That sums up a lot of the key things about what is involved in salvation. Obviously, the one for Sterling Heights expands it even more and brings in things like, in the second paragraph, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless born again. In the fourth paragraph, we believe the believer has two natures, an old nature, a new nature, can attain perfection here on earth. And then some things about sanctification. Uh, and then we believe the believer's salvation is made secure forever. That would be perseverance. We believe all believers should live in a manner as to not to bring reproach. That would be probably the believer's walk if we corresponded it to what ours is presently. That is, that's their full one. Yeah, they don't have really have like two levels of theirs as far as I know. Uh, turn over to your next page. The one that says Union Lake. Um, so I went to a, a, a conference, a workshop at this church uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning. And so they're, I think they would fall in the category of being a like-minded church as far as where they're at, their goals, all those sorts of things. And so I just pulled theirs up to see what theirs was. And I, I didn't ask the pastor there as far as when this was reworked, but I have a feeling that it might have been reworked more recently as opposed to less recently. And uh, he sort of went there to sort of revitalize a church that they were planning to shut down, and then uh, just things started turning around and, and moving forward. Um, and then on the back of that, you have Berean Baptist Church. That's the church that sent him to Union Lake. So I was just curious to look at some of the differences or similarities between those two. The thing that I like about the two on this page is that they are very short, clear sentences. So, for example... We believe the Father demonstrated His glorious love to sinners by sending the Son to be the Savior of man, by satisfying God's righteous demands for His people through Jesus' perfect life, 
and by satisfying, and I think there's a typo here, which I need to ask them about, God's holy justice, I think there's a, couple, a word or two missing here, uh, punishment against rebellious sinners through Jesus' substitutionary suffering and death. Uh, sorry, number five, number five on Union Lake. And then as far as like how that happens, verse, uh, number six, we believe that a person receives the gift of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. On the back, Berean Baptist Church, the fourth paragraph, fourth bullet point, we believe that sinners are saved by God based on His sovereign choice. We believe that His choice is based on His grace, not on any human individual merit or foreseen faith. And then we believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God who through His morally and ethically perfect life and sacrificial substitutionary death atone for the sins of all who will trust in Him alone for salvation. So I think there's pros and cons about all of these different statements. I like the... Um, I like the the Union Lake one in that it combines, I think, who Jesus is, his, his work, with what salvation looks like in a fairly short and clear way. Um, so, so I guess let's go back to our discussion of what are the essential elements that we think someone must agree to in order to be a member of our church when it comes to the topic of salvation. Uh, several of these would highlight this idea of justification. What are some of the other important elements that you see highlighted in these? Yes? I'm sorry.
Yeah. All who trust in him. Yeah. yeah. I agree that that one I feel like is kind of where ours is at in terms of being a little bit less clear or using more theological language versus expressing the same context more clearly. Yes. Right. I guess. Right. And that's a, that's a good question. Yeah. So how much of our distinctives as a church need to be in our statement of faith? Uh, let me give you a different example that I think we wouldn't have any disagreement about. We're a Baptist church, so we would not be good with people coming and joining the church who were baptized as an infant because that's not what baptism is. Um... I think that, yes, however, um, I'm just glancing down through here to refresh my memory. I think that that is a, trying to think here, can you be a Christian without being baptized by immersion? Yes. I think there's uh, Presbyterian brothers and sisters in Christ. Sure. Yeah. There. Uh, yeah. But here's the here's the question: Do I want a Presbyterian to join this church and remain unconvinced of the importance of believers' baptism? I don't think so. Explain further what you mean by a membership issue. Do you mean like that's a policy of the church versus a statement of faith thing, or what do you mean? Okay. Up our statement of faith. I meant to bring my laptop this morning. I forgot it. With regards to you, got it in your folder there. I'm thinking under the uh, the statement about the church that we have something about baptism.
Mm -hmm. we have. We believe that Christian baptism is the immersion in water of a believer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the authority of the local church to show forth the beautiful and solemn emblem our faith in the crucified bird, risen Savior, with its effect on our death to sin and resurrection to newness of life, that it is a prerequisite to a church relationship and to the Lord's Supper in which members of the church have a sacred use of the bread and cup as it commemorates the dying of of Christ, preceded always by a sound salt of memory. Okay. Sandra, you were going to say something? Yes. I hear. Okay, good. Yeah. But they can't join without making that choice. So here's the way that I understand it. And I think the New Testament is clear on this. I think that the confusion comes in with sometimes these two are so closely linked that you have to look at the context to understand it. But I think in the New Testament you have belief, you have baptism, you have membership. So uh, I want to say it's Acts 2... Uh, is it 42? It might not be 42. Let me look at it real quick. And I know we're getting ahead a little bit because we're getting into the discussion on some of these other... Th no, that is 41. 241. We're getting a little bit into the discussion on the church and membership, but I, I think it ties into this because at, at a basic level, this whole process is what do you have to agree to to become a part of the church? So I think it's helpful for us to think about that at this juncture. So Acts 2.41 says those who heard their word were baptized. And when we say heard, it's not like I listened to it on the radio. Okay, that's great. I think it's they accepted their message. I think that's made clear from some other passages. They were baptized. They were added to the church. 
This is something that I think is important because I was talking with somebody a couple months ago from a Catholic background, and this was one of the things they were like, but I already did this back here. Okay. So, but, but this has to come first. But I already did this back here, and there's this confusion like, is belief in baptism the same thing? Because I think there's a fair number of people in the Catholic Church that basically say, I'm saved because I was baptized as a baby. I'm not saying that's not necessarily what the Catholic Church teaches. I'm saying that's the understanding that a lot of Catholics have about why they are a part of the church, why they are right before God. Yeah, I'm just saying I've no... Uh, right. I agree. Yes. Yeah, but I'm just saying, even by their definition, it's something different. Than, so, okay, let's take someone who's not a Roman Catholic. Let's take someone who is a who is a Presbyterian, because I think I think they would have a different. I don't think I don't know of any Presbyterians offhand that would see baptism as regeneration. But, I mean, in the Catholic Church, yes, and the Presbyterian Church, no. But they would switch the order of these things. And in my mind, Acts 2.41 says, belief, baptism, membership. And that's why I think that that is, at first glance, it's like, well, someone could, I mean, some churches will say, if you were baptized at any point in your life, and by that they mean if you were sprinkled, if you were poured, if you were immersed, we don't care about the mode as long as it happened. The problem is that some of them then will say, well, we're even okay with that if it happened before you actually believe. And the problem with that is, like Sandra's saying, it's basically more like having a bath than it is the symbol that we're talking about in terms of the New Testament. So tying this back to the statement of faith, what we're talking about this morning primarily is this. What constitutes belief? How are we able to believe, or what are we supposed to believe in? How are we made right with God? What do we have to do? Those are kind of the three main things that we're talking about. But it's also closely linked to these other things. And so, uh, so here's a question. I believe very strongly in the doctrine of election. So that was one of the points that Bob raised. Should that be in our shorter statement? So, um, so let's go to go to Ephesians one. Ephesians 1 and verse 4. It says in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him, in love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. So, 
I think if you just read that verse, I know there's people that have creative explanations of why that doesn't mean what it seems to mean in a straightforward reading, but I think it's pretty clear God chooses us for salvation. You could tie that in with Romans 9 and other passages. I do agree with whoever said that they had hesitation, maybe it was Paul, about the idea of sinners saved by God based on his sovereign choice. I would much rather we say we are saved only of God, none of ourselves, and then put Ephesians 1 in that passage to clarify it. Potentially. Uh, so here's my tension. We believe that sinners are saved by God based on a sovereign choice. We believe his choice is based on grace, not on any individual merit or foreseen faith. While I agree with everything that's in that phrase, is that the most important thing for us to put in the statement of faith for... Uh, differentiating what the church, what our church teaches about salvation versus false churches. So let me let me clarify. Um, so you have let me, uh, let me just abbreviate here. So let's say you have a Roman Catholic church, and you have Ambassador Baptist Church, and you have. Um, I'll try to think of an example. Uh, there's a church in Allen Park called um, something Free Will Baptist Church. Let's just use that as an example because it's not here. There's no whatever feeling one way or the other toward it. The statement that's in Bereans there draws a line between these two. A statement about salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone draws this line. Which is the more important line for us to draw? Well, which one is going to condemn you to hell if you get it wrong? Right, yeah. So that's why I think if we say what is most important to put in our statement of faith, that's why I think the statement about justification is most important. Sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had election and belief. Are you good to go? Good to be in heaven. I think we would have to say yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sure. So here's another question. This is another. This is another of those questions that I think uh, we have to wrestle with in terms of people joining the church, because it has practical implications, kind of like this discussion, and that would be. Um, that would be this. If we say. Um,
So we have Jesus return. I think you have to have something about that in your statement of faith. Why? Because 1 Thessalonians 1.8, turn away from idols, turn to God, serve God, wait for Jesus to come back. I mean, I think this was a pretty central idea in the early church. Um, yeah. So, right. So then there's the question of what, that, what does that look like? Do you have 1,000 years? Oops. Do you have, um, do you have something now? Do you have something like not at all? So this, uh, this is what I would teach. This is what I think the Bible teaches, the thousand years. can't see it. I'll move this out of the way. I know I'm right on the bottom of the board here. Here's a question. Can someone join our church? Can you see it now? I gotta, now Mary can't see. I'll just, I'll just stick this out in the hallway. There we go. All right. If there's someone who believes that the, present, that the kingdom of God is present in the world today and that the Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled by a present-day kingdom apart from a literal reign of Christ, are we good with them joining the church? Because it's this same sort of question that, that Paul raised. I think it's an excellent question for us to think through. And that is, is someone going to go to heaven if they believe this, even if they don't believe this? Yes. Is someone going to fit well at our church if they only believe this and not these things? And I think the question comes down to their disposition about it. Right. Right. Retta. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Yes. I'm, well, yeah, I mean, I think I hear what you're, what you're saying. So what Bob is saying, and I think that this is important, and I, this is the point I'm trying to get across. When we're saying short expanded, we're saying here's A, here's A1, A2, A3. We're not saying here's A, here's B1, like a completely different thing. And I, that, I think, is really important because then that's deceptive if someone says, I agree to this, and then we're like, and by the way, this, that doesn't have anything to do with this or contradicts this. That's not what I'm saying. Um, and so there's levels of refinement. So, so look at this. So on this one, just because we were talking about it a minute ago, and we'll talk about it again when we get to that part, Jesus coming back. I think that should be in A. This, I think, could be A1. This is like, I don't even, A1, like little A and 1, or whatever. Do you see what I'm saying? So, I, I, I would ho hope everyone in the church agrees to this. I would hope after teaching everyone in the church would agree to this. I don't know if everyone in our church as it stands necessarily agrees to this, or could explain why they do or don't agree with that. And so that, I think, is the question that we have to ask ourselves. In my mind, I would, and so here's the, here's the tension that you have to wrestle with. Someone who says these things, if someone is here or possibly here, as in the rapture, the, not the rapture, but the kingdom is now, or the kingdom is more figurative, um, Ben-Hur said the kingdom of God didn't have to come to earth because it was in his heart. You know, that kind of idea. How does that affect how we do church? If God's kingdom is here now, that opens up the door to more involvement in politics, in social issues, and all those sorts of things because we're trying to work out God's kingdom here on earth versus if God's kingdom is yet to come, it's not our job to fix everything that's broken in the world. But my tension then is, sometimes then we sort of are like, well, I'm just going to isolate myself off from society. I don't need to worry about any of that stuff. Um, Anybody join you?
Sure. Sure. Yeah. We got to start a little bit late, so we're going to take a couple more minutes thinking through this. Uh, Sandra. Sure. So let's do the let's do the same thing here and and think through that because I think that's a really really helpful question to ask and uh, while I'm drawing that out go ahead and ask your other is that your that's the whole thing okay so um, That's what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking here. So is there election or is there uh, and I'm just gonna set this up because this is how it's often presented, even though I'm not sure that it's accurate. So grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, that's essential. This is more an understanding of what happened here. Does election change the way that I am saved in terms of what you do to get saved? To a, to a large extent, no. I think the only thing it really touches on is, all right, and then, all right, let's, let's take this a step further. Um, sorry, my writing is kind of terrible, but... I was saying it's because we type all the time. All right, so here's here's a further step. Is atonement limited or unlimited? See, we're not even in agreement in this room 100% on well, this point. Yeah. And I would, I would say, because most people have not explored the difference between these two. Right. So, here is, again, let's correlate it to this. This is, am I getting into heaven? This is, am I at this church versus a free will Baptist church? This is here. Is it something that I would teach? Yes, because I believe the Bible says it. But like when I taught it, when we were looking at, what was it, 2 Corinthians 5? The way I explained it was, here's what I think the Bible teaches. And I'm trying to show you from Scripture why I believe that. But I don't know that that should be, I, I don't really think that that should be a prerequisite for membership, particularly at this level. I mean, when I was uh, at Inner City, there was, there was disagreement among the seminary faculty about this point. They would all be on the same page about this point. And I think anyone in the church should be in agreement on this point. Again, I'm not saying there's a requirement for leadership to say, you have to believe this and not this. 
I do think that there should be a working toward an understanding of at least exploring what those questions are, which I think was Bob's point. If we're never even exposed to all these things in Scripture, we may never have even thought about them, and all of us are called to be understanding and knowing God better. Even if on some of these uh, more specific, third level, whatever kind of issues, we need to, and, and so here's the problem. I was, I forget who I was talking to about this. Sometimes, oh, I remember who I was talking to. I was talking to uh, our realtor, came over to sign paperwork, and we were talking about the Baptist church. And here's what she said to me. She said, she said, Baptists are about this, right? Drinking and dancing, like not not doing those things. So here's the question. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Come on in. Doing great. How are you folks doing this morning? Good to see you. Apologize about the ice on the ramp. Hopefully it wasn't too slippery. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. Uh, I was talking at the beginning of Sunday school, and so we started about five minutes late, but come on in. All right, so just to, just to finish what I was saying, and then I'll take your question, Norma. If someone hears this about our church, I want them to think this, Jesus, not we don't drink and dance. Should we drink and dance? I'm going to argue no. But again, where's the importance in this? And, and same sort of thing. Um, politics. We may have certain specific views on politics, that shouldn't be the first thing people know about you as a Christian. It should be Jesus. Okay? And then secondarily, Baptist, and I think that was your point, Jonathan, can, and some other people, can, could there be a difference of opinion about this? At this level, yes. But I think we should clarify it in this level so when someone joins the church, they know, yeah, we believe that you have to be baptized. Here's what we mean by that. And so just practically... It's not going to make sense for you to join the church if you think this about baptism, and you're not even a Christian if you think this about baptism because it saved you. You know, so that's the clarification. Normally, you had a comment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's the critical thing. So, all right, let's wrap it up there. I'm just going to take a picture of this so I remember our discussion, and uh, and we will. I can read it because I wrote it. You guys might not be able to read it. All right, let's pray and we'll close this time. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to think through these things. Hopefully we're, we're getting some clarity on the importance of all of these things. We pray that you would help us to um, just have wisdom as we try to put all these different ideas together, that you continue to direct in this process, that at the end of it we have something that 
speaks clearly about what it means to be a Christian, about what it means to be a part of this church, that we would have charity and kindness toward one another as we all grow, and not in an arrogant sort of way, just to recognize Scripture is the thing that we've got to be governed by. And any one of us can be wrong, but your word is never wrong, and that's what we need to stick to. And so, Lord, I just pray that you will uh, continue to bless in these ways. Pray that you'll bless in the morning service and here in a few minutes. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.